0: Sound of sensation across the nation Listen to Radio Good Hello,
1: I'm
2: Dave I'm Tom. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. And welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. This is episode 45, where we're going to be talking about Fleet Street goodies, sometimes known as cunning stunts, or the Goodies Clarion newspaper. This was first broadcast on the 14th of April, 1975, a Monday at 9pm. We continue into season five, gentlemen. Before we go around the table, I just guess I want to frame this discussion a little bit based on conversations we've had during the week leading up to this, I think it's fair to say this was not anybody's favourite of the series.
3: Nowhere close. No.
2: No. So, what intrigues me about this, and I think perhaps what will frame some of our discussion, is that there are so many very good high concepts in this. The idea of the goodies running a tabloid newspaper, you, you would think you could get an episode of material out of that. The idea of Bill being in love, you could get a material out of that. The idea of a woman coming and taking over the goodies office is something you get a lot more material out of than the one scene we get, particularly when you've cast Tessa White to do it. And then you've got the whole Eurovision ending, which probably couldn't be any longer. But what, what is it about this episode where you've got so many potentially good things that really don't connect with anything that the other person it's doing? It. Why, why doesn't this work?
0: Well, I think that is the problem. I think there's too much going on really in this, because the first half is the newspaper, which they just sort of abandon, really. Once they decide Bill's in love, I mean, the newspaper story really goes out the window. You then have Tessa White coming in and eventually takes over the Goody's office. But they're then more interested in telling a story about how Bill's gone off to kill himself. So it was pretty disjointed.
2: Fair enough, Tom, what did you make of it all? This is
3: the first time I've actually looked at this episode in many, many years. And I tended to remember it was better than it was Watching it this time, it was that hodgepodge of ideas. It was three distinct components of the show that very flimsily interrelated to itself that just didn't work for me this time around.
0: I was sort of left wondering whether they'd actually had the idea of the newspaper, decided that really wasn't working, and then just basically shoehorn the other ideas in to fill out the... To, to make to make an episode.
2: But it's interesting, though. There are a number of goodies episodes where they'll sort of get 15 to 20 minutes in, and then have a massive switch hmm. or change of direction, and then go somewhere else for the last third to half. This one still, though, has the plots interacting, because they do go back to the newsroom, oh. Bill sort of does everything it It's very strangely structured. Rob, what do you think?
1: Look, I can only echo what Tom and, and Richard have said. It is disjointed. None of it really goes anywhere, even though, by and large, it is sort of gently amusing. Uh, I, I thought the episode was more of a throwback. Uh, I know as we go further into Season 5, we're looking at what is you know regarded as classic... Goodies, But I thought I thought this was a bit of a throwback to sort of there's, a, there's, there's scenes in the office and then they go and have hijinks outside. And uh, I think it's telling that this is a sort of episode that the audience at the time would have expected from the goodies and not necessarily some of the more sophisticated humour that comes later.
2: Yeah, it does stand out a lot given the episodes that surround it, particularly the ones we're going to be talking about over the next three or four weeks. One thing I can sort of echo what you said, Tom, I certainly saw this a number of times when it was broadcast when I was a kid. It's not one that I remembered particularly well, so I haven't gone back to, and neither is it one that, you know, in the last 20 years people said, oh, do you remember that one? It's a really good, check it out, Mm -hmm. or I really wish this one would come out on DVD. It's sort of been forgotten, so I haven't gone back to it, and there were large chunks I had completely forgotten. In fact, there was only one joke that really I I remember very strongly, and I'm I'm going to have that as my, my gag of the week later on. So yeah, it's a strange one, but there are some positives in there, so we'll find them as we explore them. So we'll get into it. It opens with the goodies Clarion and Globe, which is an interesting one because it's one of those ones where we've just, the goodies have decided, this week we're running a newspaper. They haven't been hired. They haven't done any background. They're just open and they're doing the newspaper.
0: It does. It starts off with the, the newspaper music intro, which is a song called The Typewriter. Yes. It's a little novelty song. Well, it opens with Tim obviously trying to man the phones in the newspaper office and, and doing different voices depending on which desk he's being, while Bill just sits there just gazing mm-hmm. off into space which is actually quite well done, considering everything that's going on around him.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's not bad, and you get Tim getting to do a whole lot of phone humour and passing them on, and the various conversations like, upside down with a goat, (laughs) (laughs) which I wasn't expecting. Typical tabloid fair there, I think, for the 70s. And, And that's the thing. They kind of make a few jokes about big bosoms and all that sort of thing, but when you think about what you could do with the whole tabloid newspaper thing, the goodies would have been brilliant at sort of satirising. They really don't go there.
1: This episode really is a, and as we've discussed earlier, is a, a missed opportunity because mm. there's, a, there's a whole episode looking at tabloid newspapers, and there's, you know, all the tropes of the goodies could be included here where two against one, one of them goes power mad with like a Rupert Murdoch sort of character. And. For whatever reason, they've just completely abandoned it and <coughs> just gone off in a different direction, which I think is probably one of the biggest opportunities in the series.
2: Yeah, I mean Graham does get to sort of come in and they do a bit of making fun of lame headlines and mm. trying to turn not events into headlines.
1: What I found in this episode that I, it actually goes back I think to the first series. There seems to be a more, more use of risque humour. There's talk of bosoms. There's talk of crumpet. There's that sort of thing which has basically been absent from the series except for the very early episodes where they're, you know, I can't remember the episode name now, but the black and white one where there's naked women running around. Oh, uh, Playgirls Club. Yeah. Yes, so that struck <clears throat> me, watching it again uh, a couple of days ago.
2: So they move into the first filmed insert, or the first montage, which I actually must admit I didn't remember that well, but I got quite a few laughs out of this one. There's some very clever stuff in there. There's also some slightly disturbing stuff in there, yeah. like the domestic violence scene. Ah, uh, yes,
0: yeah. yes. I did note they have a streaking Harold Wilson and the flashing Prince Charles, which apparently were cut when the UK when they were repeated. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so they were in the original broadcast. Apparently, they were cut for the repeats.
2: Yeah, there you go. Mm. Uh, but that's very clever, where they have the, the the naked man walking by, and then the police get him and dress him, and it turns <laughs> out to be Harold Wilson, the Prime Minister. And Yes, look, by this stage, I mean, we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Charles had been asked and was willing to appear in the goodies and had been politely told no. So I think from now on we actually get, particularly in this episode, quite a bit, bit of a running gag about Charles not appearing. Yes. Um, which is obviously a bit of an inside joke for them, but mm. now that we know that, we can share in the inside joke. Yes. But I, I thought that was really quite funny, you know, Tower Bridge falling down, Bill mm. not notice <laughs> his hat flying off. I, I got
0: some yeah. yeah, I did. I thought that was quite an entertaining little sequence. It was. Well, he doesn't come back with the story. I mean, he's
2: extra, extra, read all about it. My hat blew off. <laughs> yeah, which does lead to Graham analysing what Bill's problem is. Yes. <laughs> it, it can only be one thing I'm in love. Oh, so it's not my yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think you and I might be headed for a snap at the end of the. Uh... <laughs> At the end of the episode, I think. <laughs> no,
2: look, I, I, this isn't too bad. It, then, this is where I think it actually does start to take the turn down the path towards slightly dull. Well, well, what do you guys think of where it goes from here?
0: So from here, of course, once they decide Bill's in love, they then, at least at how he's in love and how the Tessa Wyatt's father, yeah. So Joshua pieces has offered his daughter's hand in marriage to anyone who can make him laugh. They want a story how Ace Reporter pulls high-class crumpet. (laughs) So they decide, obviously, then they're going to go and make sure Bill does marry Tessa Wyatt.
2: Now, just to cut you off there, it's interesting at this point. I get confused here, and I think the script's a bit ambiguous, Mm, whether the idea is that Bill is just in love with a celebrity or whether he actually has had some interaction with her. He really did almost hold her hand because at first you think it is just a celebrity crush. But later on, she says, "Oh, William, it could never, it could never work, or you know, we've tried mm-hmm. it us or something." So, how, how did you guys take that relationship?
1: Look, it's very bare bones, isn't it? I mean, it's it's sufficient to generate what little laughs there are in that whole sequence. I think.
0: Having said that, I did actually find the scene where they're trying to Tim's trying to teach Bill the joke, and then Graham sort of does that, and then. Oh, that is a
2: joke. Oh, <laughs> I did actually think that was quite funny. Uh, Graham Graham's bit at the end is quite funny. I found a lot of that scene and sort of what follows it actually quite tedious. Uh, partly because Bill sort of has gone from being in love and looking to the distance to actually being really pathetic
0: and and depressed and miserable. Yeah, yes. And all of
2: that, look, you know, hey, let's take the picture off you. Oh no, yeah. I, I
0: just
2: sort of thought that sort of went from being funny to just, you know, what you're actually kind of being pathetic now. Very
3: very sad. <laughs> Yeah, as, as a person, I don't think the goodies have ever gone that far with a character before, have they? No, they're, they're, not. Their own character, not being a housewife or anything else like that, but the actual goody themselves is just being, as you said, a pathetic, mm. no, uh, part of themselves. Well, you know?
2: Tim, Tim burst into tears occasionally, but it's yeah, not but, quite that, the same but, thing. but
3: that's that is the character. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So Bill had never gotten that bad before.
2: Yeah, and the attempts at humour are just. Well, the joke is meant to be that it's not a very funny joke and that yeah. the comedic noises they're making aren't that good, but they're just so terrible as to not re- even remotely realistic. And then the Joshua Makepeace comes in with the um, the hair and the moustache and the glasses and making funny noises, and I get what it's trying to do. It didn't land for me.
0: No.
1: Yeah, it's pretty broad, and I think it's so broad that it just doesn't
2: work.
0: No. I mean, it is another appearance of Roland McLeod under that makeup. so...
2: You yes. might mention him at this moment. This is one of his eight goodies appearances. Eight? Yes. Eight goodies appearances. As well as Broaden Your Mind, he was in The Two Ronnies. He was in the episode of Ripping Yarns, Escape from Stella and Luftwaffe, no. <laughs> which I think is the, by far the best episode of that series.
3: Oh, I like Thompson's in school days myself. but And you can't go past Eric Althwaite.
0: Oh, uh, uh, a,
2: yes. yes. Know, I've, I've, I've got too many Yorkshire relatives for <laughs> Eric <laughs> Althwaite to be funny. It's just too real. <laughs> it's a documentary. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it really is. <laughs> He was in quite a few episodes of Grange Hill as a recurring character for one series. He was one of the caretakers. Uh, He was in A Fish Called Wanda and he did 23 episodes of Coronation Street. Well, there you go. So he obviously had fairly regular work for quite a while and went into a lot of series. So yeah, Ronald McLeod turns up again. That then leads to Bill failing and being sacked. Graham gets a very good little monologue at that point. We've come to know you as someone we employed. Yes, they <laughs>
0: refer to him as a dog.
2: I, again, I actually thought that was quite funny. Everybody
3: who works for the Gooding Clearing Globe, take a step forward. Not, not so, so fast. fast.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, over the years we've come to look down on you and they presented with the engraved block of cheese. <laughs> Stop. William Edgar Oddle. <laughs> yes, and they then put out the ad to Myra Replacement. Higher Replacement, right. they do have a lovely line frustrated pop stars need not apply
0: their ad is initially answered by a mr wise but yes. he wants to bring his mate <laughs> His mate, eric <laughs> yeah. prince charles well i think of prince charles but it sounds like blue bottle from the goons
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that prince charles gag yeah, is though very funny as well yes it, it does include the line he just has to square it with mum <laughs> which, which clearly has to be a reference to him not being allowed to appear in the previous episodes oh, i
0: think so mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, when they open the door, they hear the Monty Python march. Uh,
2: yes, the Liberty Bell march, which gets a big cheer from the audience, as any Python reference does.
0: Yes, uh, although they cover it up as being the band of the Coldstream Guards.
2: Yes, which is very clever.
0: And Wendy Craig is, uh, is the other one mentioned in that scene. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that one. No, I don't know. I know she was in... Wendy Craig was a very popular actor at that time yeah, yeah, she in was in a lot of shows she was in it and mother makes three yeah. and then mother makes five and then she went on to be in stuff like butterflies exactly so and, a, and a drama very series called very Nanny. busy
3: very busy person
0: I, I don't quite know whether there's a, an actual cultural reference there to something she was doing at the time that that would have
1: well you would think with the topicality of prince charles sort of not being on that she was yeah. probably hot at that time so just throw yeah. away. she's well known and there's a gag in there
2: somewhere
0: and then later on he says that uh, they also tried to replace him with Nicholas Parsons.
2: Yes, which is the, uh, the low point for his life.
0: Yes, uh, Sir so Charles Forte. This is a hark back to the clown virus. He was a hotel and restaurant magnate and he founded a lot of the motorway and roadside diners,
2: oh. which,
0: are, which are the things they were satirising in clown, clown virus. virus. And actually his company, their... Logo was the rampaging stag that uh, becomes the <laughs> vomiting stag in, in Clown Virus. So. And of course, a wooden model of Roger Moore, although that may have been the real Roger Moore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know people making Roger Moore jokes all the way back then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but of course, the role is filled by Mildred.
2: We of course learn that after Bill goes and pours his heart out to uh, Mr. Makepeace and makes him laugh with his tale of woe. Bill then thinks, oh, that's great, I've been able to make him laugh, I can have his daughter as handy in marriage, but it turns out his daughter's run off.
0: Because she doesn't want to live with a miserable old <laughs> sod like him anymore.
2: No, and of course we learn that she's run off to join the goodies. Now, she's played by Tessa White, who wasn't a big name then, but was going to become a very big name yes. for a few years. At this point, she was probably most famous for being Mrs. Tony Blackburn.
0: Uh, Yes, probably, because Robin's Nest was a little while after this. Was she
2: in Man About the House before that? No.
0: So she was just in Robin's Nest? No, Richard O'Sullivan was the only carry-on from there. Yes.
2: Fair enough. Who she then went
3: off and... Had a relationship with. uh, From Robin's Nest onwards.
0: Yes.
2: And yes, she made her name in that, but at this point she's appearing as Bill's replacement in The Goodies, which leads to a, a very interesting scene, because I can't work out here if they're deliberately trying to do a shtick on reverse sexism or whether they've just thrown a few gags in there and it's not intended because they also have the whole tim referring her as a bit of crumpet around the office but then they have her trying to sexually harass the men again i can see where they might be trying to go but it doesn't work does
3: it i don't think it works today but being employed in the early 80s and things like that that was a workplace culture
2: Oh no no I get I get I get it no, that aspect
3: you know that that that's, that's the way females were treated around the office. <laughs> I,
2: I get I get exactly what they're trying to no. I don't doubt that for a moment. But I don't think that it's one of those things we've talked about with the goodies where you either go full full throttle and satirize it, yeah. or you don't touch it. In this case they seem to be trying to go from for a bit of a halfway oh, I
3: don't think they were trying to make a point. About Mm. it, I think they were just trying to parody it by making it reverse, but not actually saying, this is sexist because it's... And isn't it funny because the woman's doing it to a man? I think it's just the joke was there as a uh, juxtaposition of what the guys were doing to her, not as a commentary on the social situation at the time.
1: I I think they just took... I personally think they took the opportunity to make that very point, to make the point that, well, you know what? If this is what it looks like uh, if you're a bloke being harassed. i was just going to say that the reaction of Tim and Graham indicated to me that they were trying to make a a more sharper point than what um, others may interpret. But that's just me. I think
2: one of the reasons why it does fail to land is although the stuff with Graham playing the male bimbo is very funny and Graham does it very, very well... You kind of can't make the point that women are being badly treated in the workplace and then have Graham, who's you know, your lead Goody, filling that role, very willingly being harassed.
1: Yes, that's true. That's definitely mm. true.
2: And look, we've said before that the goodies always seem to make the decision, you know, do we go for the gag or do we go for the, the political point? And they've clearly gone for the gag. And as I say, Graham being the dumb blonde secretary is really really funny he's really good and the, the moment when you know, she comes over you know come on mr garden sit on my lap take your glasses off no this isn't going to work is it yeah. <laughs> it's very funny and i'm glad they've gone with the, the gag
3: i don't know what you mean
2: miss <laughs> <laughs> of course she sacks tim even though that she has no power to but she sacks Tim, and then graham says i'm out too and they decide that they miss Bill, they want to go after Bill and they want to get rid of her and just leave her in the office as they run to find Bill and that's the last we see of well, our well, guest that, star. That,
0: that was one of the notes I had. The, the Mildred storyline, or indeed what happens to the newspaper, is just left totally unresolved. No. I mean, look, obviously at the end they're in bandages and we don't actually see what happens to Bill either. Mm. But uh, mm. at the end they're in bandages and she's presumably just left running the
3: office. Well, that, well that's you said, She's in one scene, really, mm. for the mm. whole episode. as a
2: guest star must have been the easiest week of work ever. They then get into the whole Eurovision raving loony contest. Clearly meant to be a satire of the Eurovision Sun Contest.
0: Yes, even down to the presenter, because Katie Pimple
2: uh, yes. is a
0: play on a lady called Katie Boyle who had presented, because they used to, each country obviously used their own presentation of the event, and she was the UK's presenter a number of times.
2: I found this whole thing didn't really work for me. I think some others of you may have enjoyed it more one point I did note here is that the announcers sort would of have been done in that muffled voice that was really odd mm. You know, it must have been something at the time
3: because going into the albums and later on they released nothing to do with us and one of the songs is about putting a song into the Eurovision Song Contest right. I wish I had something to say Right, and they do the reading of the points and as, as if it's being announced there but a lot of it gets down to that sort of like muffled thing mm. of okay. you can hear all the other countries around them doing their own broadcast well, well that's the
0: thing because each country do their own broadcast yeah. from there and so whether whether it's a play on that perhaps yeah maybe Rob,
2: I was just going to say
1: it could be just a, something as simple as if you listen to a, a race call the announcer is speaking so fast that his voice tends to sort of blur and over a, a
3: tannoy system, yeah, yeah.
1: So it could be sim- something as simple as that. Could be. What did you
2: guys all make of this final sequence? Well,
1: this was the part of the episode that I remembered the most from when I was younger. Yes, likewise. And uh, which is not surprising. I mean, it's, it's a number of very striking visuals. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bill about to be cut in half, uh, the train running over the boys, which I thought was very well done. I really enjoyed it. This, this, even though this is an episode of three thirds, I, I enjoyed this one really.
2: A great deal. Yeah, a lot of them didn't really work for me, but I will say the gag with the train was by far my favourite. When they set up the level crossing to stop the truck, and then the train comes the other way. I, I thought
0: that was well, well. I actually enjoyed the whole sequence. On a technical level, there is some very good stunt work being done in there. The one that grabbed me actually was a bit with Tim and Graham are on the ladder. Yes, that then collapses because mm. that is them on the ladder, and that, that's extremely well done.
2: Oh, it's technically very
0: well done. And, and I think some of the jokes, I mean, just talking about the, the thing with the train, I mean, they, they're straight out of Roadrunner. Yes. You put up the barriers and suddenly a train appears from nowhere. Um, there's a bit where Bill pushes the button and he can push it as many times as he wants, but as soon as Graham walks up, he gets punched in the face. It's,
1: it's, it's, it's all very Buster Keaton-ish. It, it is. As well, which um, is quite good. And they also fall back onto their lambasting, uh, the various uh, ethnic stereotypes. You know, the Scots and I
0: think the... Uh, oh, yes, when they're doing the falling down, they do the Spanish Flamenco the Spanish, dances yes, exactly and then the Scots. Yeah. And I must admit, some of that stuff where they're running around slipping on the banana peels. Um, again, that answer. was well done. Mm. but Technically, excellent. Yes. Whether it really had much to do with the relevance in terms of the story... Mm. Uh, it to do with the newspaper. No, well, certainly nothing <laughs> to do with the newspaper.
1: It really is... It is a strange, strange episode because it just goes off in different directions. Mm. Which, have, has very minimal
2: lengths. And, and indeed, Rob, you know, you said it was an episode of three thirds. Mm. If you think about Bill being in love and the whole having to make an aristocrat laugh being in some ways two different threads, it's actually four Yeah. Mm. as well.
3: Four thirds. Yeah. Four thirds indeed. <laughs> so it's 133% better.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, whether it's one that was just written in a real hurry. Perhaps I don't know they had a deadline. Perhaps to get the script in. I don't know. But... Or, or maybe
2: they just had sort of four or five disparate ideas, and they've just gone, "Well, let's just put these all in one and, yeah. and see what happens."
0: This is vaguely coherent. Let's put this out. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it, look, it, it then ends. At least they actually do get to have that final sort of reconciliation with Bill mm. as they plummet from <laughs> ten thousand feet. <laughs> and, and it's got look the, the old but lovely gag of the parachute opening seconds after they hit the ground, which yeah. is very well done. The the fall against the csa that's all quite well done and they all get to become friends. But you're right, Bill isn't in that final shot. No, so we don't
0: know what happens to him maybe he did succeed in killing himself. or mate, the parachute worked just
3: in time for him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's gone
2: off
0: to marry Tessa Wyatt.
2: (laughs) So, look, as we've gone through this, we've definitely identified a number of very good gags. I definitely laughed during this, not as much as I have in much better episodes and certainly some of the episodes to come. It's funny, it's quite watchable, it's not a terrible... It's not one of those episodes i really struggled to get through. I had expected it to be. It was better than that, and I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But it is very incoherent. and It doesn't quite work. Mm. Fair comment? Fair comment.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right, any final points before we go into our segments? I had a
0: couple of extra notes. We mentioned Bill Weston when we did the discussion on the race. He's the policeman who's trying to stop Bill jumping off the pier into the ocean yes that's Bill Weston the other thing I had we also the blackboard when they're in the office the blackboard says buy Funky Given number 4 yeah an
3: update yeah. on where it is in the chart, which
0: actually is it's highest chart position it didn't go any higher than number four. Still not, it's still not bad for. No, it's not. Well, 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 this 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 is the single I think that, that cemented them because this was their second successful single, so this really cemented them as pop stars. Mm.
1: I, I wanted to make a point about something that struck me. It's very slight. If you look at, uh, there's one point where Bill is facing away from the camera and he bends over. If you look at the patch on the back of his pants, there's the words "Kiss My" and yes, yeah, a picture of that ass, of that. yeah, exactly, yes. which um. Makes it through several episodes going forward. Yes. So something slide that they've snuck
2: in there just past the BBC <laughs> uh, people upstairs, I think. Yeah, I did notice that. That was really clever.
0: The other thing I was going to say just before we jump into our regular segments, and we'll probably talk more about this next week. We've mentioned in previous episodes that these are the episodes are being recorded on a Friday for Transmission the following Monday. So this is frantic editing over the weekend. This is the last of the episodes in that sequence.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and we'll talk about more about why next week.
2: We definitely shall. On to our regular segments then, so tropes and firsts. We've mentioned that Nicholas Parsons gets a mention.
0: Yes, there's a Hearts and Flowers. There is a Hearts and Flowers. You've got the Royals with Charles in there, Harold Wilson. Harold Wilson. Yep, Uh, we mentioned Roland McLeod makes a return appearance. Yep.
1: Uh, There's Malcolm and Wise. Yes. Again, are two goodies
0: versus one.
1: Yes. Uh, Yes. Python. Python. Yeah. The euro
2: ethnic stereotyping and bashing,
3: I think. <laughs> well, Eurovision, that's the second time
2: they've done something along that line. Okay, so yeah, a lot of them. Not, no really big ones, but lots of little, little ones in there. What couldn't they get away with today? Well! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start off with a sequence that we mentioned only in passing, Richard, when you mentioned the actor involved, and that's the suicide attempt. Yes. Uh, which has Bill sort of trying to jump off a pier tries it several times the policeman moves to stop him and falls in yes you wouldn't do suicide as a gag these days
0: no no
2: which which kind of leads the entire last third into into question it,
0: it, it does and and numerous other uh, numerous other instances throughout the goodies and we have mentioned it before obviously there, there's ones where they're either going to shoot themselves yes. uh, or whatever so yeah that that is probably something I think but, but you, I
2: mean you, you could retwist the loony competition no uh, you, you could retwist the loony contest at the end to make it not a suicide thing. So you could Well, so it. the
0: object is just to be horribly maimed. <laughs> or,
2: or just to just be ridiculously stupid or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: Slapstick. We, we mentioned earlier that the Streaking Harold Wilson and Prince Charles Flashing Bill uh, were apparently removed from the UK repeats. They were in the version I watched.
3: They were so, in the
0: version. So they've as obviously, well. they're obviously been reinstated for the later uh, repeats. There were multiple cuts here, just quickly. The first one there is when they're at the start where they've got the telephones. And Tim gets a call and he says, Oh, that one's obscene. I'd better take it. And then the upside down with a goat. The second one is where they're talking about the type of stories that they want. Tim says, I want a story with warmth, drama, human interest and big bosoms. And then he actually makes uh, notions with his hands. <laughs> the next one is where Graham gives Tim the picture of the dog. And he says, yeah, but count the bosoms.
2: <laughs> That's just a weird one, that one.
0: And, and Tim actually does the hand and face movements a second yeah. time. They actually cut here the bit about which actually undermines part of the second part of the story. Uh, the ABC also cut here the bit about the Goodies Clarion and Globe Ace reporter pulls high class crumpet. That was cut. Uh, and then there was a fairly major cut where they're talking about being sexist towards Mildred. Final cut is where Mildred is being sexist to them, and then she says she have Tim around to her house for a bit of Whee <laughs> Yeah, the thing is,
3: I recall though a lot of the scenes in the episodes I saw at some stage on TV, not just watching it now, but not all of that had disappeared, I think.
1: Well, I mean, those cuts would basically almost eliminate Tessa White's appearance, yeah. effectively. Just make about, it, or... she,
0: yeah, she's not in it very much, according to this, because the whole sequence they cut is the bit there where they're talking about Bill's going off of them because you hired her because all he wants is a bit of crumpet around the office. Yeah. And then Tim says, well, sure, Mildred's not that kind of girl. And Bill says, oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> so Tim's like, really? And then he does the whole thing about Mildred is quite clearly ideally suited for the job on account of her long legs. Experience, experience. She has extremely impressive breast qualifications. Uh, yes, where he does that yeah. stumbling thing over her attributes.
2: Yes, and, and so this is the thing that... And this brings us back to what we've been saying about most of the episode. If you are overtly doing a satire of Fleet Street tabloids, then you could probably get away with lots of the mentions of bosoms, etc., because you're satirising yes. and you're showing up what is a crass part of the industry. Yeah. If you don't make that overt, then it just looks like you're being 1970 sexist. And, and the same with the, the, the reverse sexism. If you very overtly make it up that you're going, this is what happens in offices and this is a bad thing... You can do it and satirise it. Because they don't really land that, it just comes along as a little
0: bit Given the ABC making those number of cuts, I mean, look, here it went out at six o'clock at nine. Britain went out at, what did we start at the start? Nine nine, uh, p.m. Yeah, nine p.m., yeah. Which is interesting, because around that time, they were getting a lot of queries. The BBC were getting a lot of complaints about the time the goodies was going out. There were people requesting it to be shown in in an earlier evening time slot.
3: Yeah. And again, I think those cuts might have been done in the early days, but I certainly remember a lot of those in you know repeats yeah, I
0: know in, well. in, in the 80s.
2: I reckon by the 80s they probably... Well, that's
0: the thing. It. I mean, there are episodes here, and, and you're right, there are episodes here I think probably had material. Romantics is one. Yes. Because that was really heavily cut, apparently, when it was first shown here, but later on that they showed an unedited copy. Or largely unedited. Largely unedited, but yeah, still... Yeah,
2: Mind you, next week's episode was butchered within an inch of its life, so... Uh, yes,
0: and, and including by the BBC. <laughs> yes,
2: but we're not, we're not there yet. Before we get there, though, our favourite gags. Tom?
3: Mine is Mildred and Graham, so take off your glasses, Mr Graham. No, perhaps not.
2: So, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, just just a nice touching bit. Richard? I suspect mine was the same as yours. So I'll let you do that no, no, one. No, I don't think it is, actually. Oh, isn't it? Uh, well mine...
2: It was on my shortlist, but I don't
0: think it is. Oh, OK. Well, mine was the hernia joke. I, I thought that was probably the funniest line I found in it.
2: Yeah, I had that on my shortlist, but I didn't go with it. Rob, what did
1: you have? Like Tom, the uh, the Tessa and Graham sequence is, is a high point for me. Uh, the line uh, where Graham says to uh, her, I'm sure I don't know what you mean, miss. <laughs> The, the look of secret delight on Graves' face. <laughs> <laughs> so secret delight. Uh, left me in stitches.
2: It's a very good moment, actually. Yes, uh, I went for the end of the dismissal sequence where they've telling Bill that he's sacked. They've put him down a whole lot, he says, but nevertheless, we've decided to present you with. And he moves towards the clock. Yes. Bill's face lights up, and then he pulls out the piece of engraved cheese com- <laughs> with completely engraving plaque on it. Just the way that it just completely comes out of nowhere. (laughs) I did remember that quite vividly from when I saw it 20-something years ago, so I went with that. Very good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, look, an episode that has got some high points could have been better. Yes. Yes. Yep. Well, next week, we're going to be back with South Africa, but while you're booking your package tour to South Africa, why don't you go via the Black Forest? What's
1: the matter with you? Look, you've been mooning around in a daydream with that... Oh, there's only one thing it can be, and unless I'm very much mistaken... I'm in love. Oh, so it's not a hernia.